Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. We have John Verican. Juan, you can give him a warm welcome if you would. Come on up. All right, thank you, Burn. Great to be here today. Are you happy you're here? All right, all right. It's a great day. We're in our guardrail series, and so thank you for being here. I'm excited about this series. Shout out to, well, we already did the shout out to everybody that's live streaming. I want to shout out, shout out to the, the, the podcast people that listen. I listen, I'm a podcaster, so that's going to be kind of weird. I'm going to give a shout out to myself when I'm listening next week. Is that all right? Hey, Juan, glad you're joining us today. <laughs> So anyways, we started last week with guardrails, and I'm going to take a few minutes and, and kind of set up what we're talking about, and our desire is to, is to motivate you and to be part of a group of people that, that create guardrails in our life, and to do that, let's talk about what a guardrail is. A guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying, and that's, a, that's an important word there, from straying into dangerous or off-limit area. So, so we think of a guardrail, we got a guardrail here, I got my trusty guardrail, they rolled it out here, and, and, and we don't really pay attention to guardrails very much, but until we need them. And then we're thankful they're there. It's like, whoa, if, I if, I if that wouldn't have been there, and you just think of what's on the other side, because the, the, the interesting thing of a guardrail is they actually place guardrails in an area you could, you could drive on. If they get that thing out of the road, you could actually drive on that, that piece of real estate. But the plan with a guardrail is to put it in a safe zone. That's, that's a key word. Put a guardrail in a safe zone because what's on the other side of the guardrail is so dangerous. It could be a cliff. It, it, it could be a forest. It could be trees. It could be, it could be oncoming traffic. And so we create barriers to keep us safe. And that's what, a, that's what a guardrail is. If you've ever traveled a dangerous road and you recognize or realize that there wasn't a guardrail, you are super cautious. We, we live in Mexico and, and I... Uh, and, and we lived for many years in, in a little Indian town, and I'd work up in the mountains, and, and there were hours and hours of hours of driving on, on high mountain roads with no guardrails. And, and, and there was the pavement, and then a little teeny shoulder, and, and then it was just cliff, and it was deep. And hundreds and hundreds of cars over the cliff, and there'd be many times that we'd be traveling back at night or early morning, and there's fog all over, you know, dense fog. And so I would make the person that was traveling with me get out and walk in front of the car. I mean, it's dense, dense fog. Until we got out of the fog, it was like, get out, you're walking. So they would walk, and I'd drive behind them, because you go around the corner, and if you just got off a little bit, whoa, you're gone. You're just part of, uh, part of a statistic. So, so the guardrails are there to, to help us not cross over into a dangerous place. And so we understand that w when we're talking about driving, we have to have some margin for error. So that's why guardrails placed in a, in a safe zone. And, and we would say this, the theory of a guardrail is that you'll do less damage to your body and to your vehicle if you hit a guardrail than if you hit 
what is actually on the other side. So that's the theory of a guardrail, and I think we get that. I just wanted to, to remind us what a guardrail is and, and to remind you and me that the danger is on the other side. So even though we understand that, my question is, what, what, what about guardrails for our life? What, what about creating guardrails in areas of our life that are way over into the safe zone? Not, not up against the cliff, but, but we back them up and, and we create guardrails for our finances, we create guardrails for our morality, we create, we, we create guardrails for, for, for today we're going to talk about our marriage, create guardrails even for our health, and, and, and guardrails are, 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 are things that we decide in just a few minutes, Carla's going to come up, and we're going to talk about some personal guardrails that we have for our marriage. And our guardrails are based on Bible truth, but, but, but we, we go way back, and we say, okay, the truth is for our marriage, it's, we don't want it, the cliff is this. So let's back it up, and let's create some, let's create some, some guardrails. Because this, this is what the Bible says, and, and, and I'm going to read it to you, it's in, in Ephesians. 515, and I didn't like the English version. I couldn't find a version in English that I like, so I just brought the Spanish version. I'll translate for you. So is that right? So we, we read it in Spanish. Anybody understand Spanish here? All right. Bible says in Ephesians 5:15, tengan cuidado de cómo se comportan. Vivan como gente que piensa lo que hace y no como tontos. Did you get that? Okay. Here's the translation. So be careful how you conduct yourself. Or be, be careful or pay attention. Be careful or pay attention to how you conduct yourself. And then, and then this line here is just boom, point blank. Live like people that think about what they do and not like fools. And I know fool is a strong word, but basically in the context of the verse is, a fool is somebody that just doesn't think what they're doing. They don't, they don't think it out first. It's like it, they, they go right to the edge and they don't think about it. And all of a sudden, bah! So it's a, a, an intelligent person then is somebody that thinks about it. Okay, the Bible says this. God says, you know, you'll live so awesome if you'll do this. And, and, and so then you think, okay, or you'll live great if you don't do this. And so wise people back up and create guardrails in their life, a system to protect them from going off-road. So many people go off-road with their marriages. They take their marriage off-road. They take their health off-road. They take their, their, their finances off-road, and pretty soon it's a disaster. So when we talk about guardrails for our lives, we're just basically talking about a system that we create in our life that helps us way over in the safe zone, that helps us from getting into the danger zone. Because the Bible says this also in Proverbs 27, 12, it says, the prudent see danger and take refuge. They just see it and it's like, whoa, I'm not going there. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. So, so what would it look like if you and I informed our conscience so this is you and I. We're informing our conscience to the place that when we got close to that when that that when we our conduct got close to our guardrail, there was a little little fender bender, boom, in our heart or in our mind, way before 
you get to the line in the safe zone. I'd, I'd rather have that little fender bender in the safe zone than, than, than being on the line and, 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 and because there's no margin. There's no margin for error. And there's so many people that, that, that had no margin and all of a sudden went off the cliff. So what would it look like if we inform our conscience to the place that these are my guardrails, this is what I will do, and this is what I won't do, to the place that when our conduct brushes up against that, still in the safe zone, we actually feel it in our life, in our heart, and our mind. So, I, I, I'm, so to do that, we want to talk about marriage today, so I, I'd like to invite my wonderful, beautiful wife, Carla, to come up here. Give her an applause, would you, Carlita? <laughs> that song will get her every time. So I, I solicited that song. If you just put me just a little bit of endless love, this thing is going to be great. So an oldie but goodie. So and, and I'm very thankful that Carlos willing to to, uh, to speak with me today, or, or I, actually I get to speak with her because everybody loves Carla and, and and she does great. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna share some some of our guardrails. Now I want to be very. Um, open and specific about that. These, these things that we're going to share are our guardrails. When I share guardrails, there's not going to be a chapter in a verse of the Bible there. There's a Bible principle, but we've taken that and we've backed it up and said, okay, to live that, we're going, we're going to create a guardrail, and so they're ours. And, and they may seem a little extreme to you. And these are guardrails for our marriage. And if you're here today and you're single, I, I'd advise you to do two things. Number one, look at what we're talking about and, and, and start, to, start to think about that. Start to think about it and develop different ways of thinking so that when you do get married, it's just super easy. Number two, I'm, I'm going to talk about some things today and I'm going to make reference to something that I'm going to talk about in two weeks. I'm going to be back and I'm going to talk about guardrails for our morality and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. It's going to be spectac spectacular and come back. So um, we're going to, uh, what I want to do right now is go through these real quick because there's no way we're going to get done. But if you've got your smartphone or you've got something to take a picture, I'm going to run through them all real quick so you'll get all of our guardrails and then we'll go back and talk about as many as we can. So the first guardrail we have, and I'll put it up here and we'll come back and talk about it, is we will not develop friendships with the opposite sex. That's a guardrail. But we'll come back and talk about that in a minute. Second one, why don't you read that one? Uh, we will not have a children-focused family. We will have a marriage-focused family. Yes, sirree. Number three, we will spend scheduled time together. That's us. Alone. Alone. No kids. Get them out of here. Number four is we will schedule non-negotiable family time together. Fun time. Number five, we will give first before anything else. And that, that's a huge guardrail for us, and, and I don't know if we have time to talk about that, but that, that, that keeps us in, in, inside the safe zone with our, with our finances. Number six, we pause for appointed conversation when life is no longer fun. This, this one's a huge one for us, and, and this has been a guardrail of ours for a long time. Like I said, I'll just comment on it a second, but we believe life ought to be fun. Now, I understand there's, there's, there's times, there's moments when, when, when it's difficult, and when it, but overall, I believe we should be a model to this generation of, of life is awesome and marriage is awesome. If it's always like, oh, 
my, sometimes I get so fed up with church. I'm, I pastor several churches and plant churches and this and that. But, and, and, and I love the worship people, any worship people here. But it seems like all the time we're worshiping, it's like, oh, it's so bad. And now God's going to be with you and stuff. And I understand that. that that's, that's awesome. But it's like, I, I, I think, well, let's, let's give the other side equal, equal time. It's like life is awesome. It's fantastic. Out of this world. I'm just about to orbit. I'm so excited. So you don't even know how to react with that. Because you think that I'm just playing. We live that way. We like to have fun. We would like to have fun because that's the way life should be. That's the way it should be. But anyway, so, so when it's not fun, we sit down. It's like, all right, where'd we get off? And I'm usually saying, all right, Carla, where'd you get off? You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm just teasing. Just teasing. They all know that. <laughs> And, and then number seven. We will not go to bed at different times. We go to bed together. You, you might look at that and say, that, that's a weird guardrail. But you wouldn't believe how many, how many marriages go off-roading because they just start to live separate lives. And one says, well, I'm a morning person. Well, I'm a night person. So we just do it. No, we made a guardrail. I don't, we don't care if you're morning, night, whatever, noon. It, it's just we're, we're going to go to bed together. It's just the way it's going to be. And, uh, and, and, and we do that. And there's times we go, to, we go to bed. I know the Bible says don't let the wrath go. Did I say that wrong? No, you, yeah, you get this one mixed up. Don't let the sun Don't let the sun. I said in the I first service, don't let the wrath go down on your son. And, uh, <laughs> and I have several sons, and the wrath must come down on them every now and then. So that's an added Bible verse, and it's good stuff. But... So how is it again? Don't let the sun, don't let the go, sun down go down on your ass. So that means like you shouldn't go to bed mad. Well, we have. i just be honest. We have. But we go to bed at the same time, mad or not. It's like it's a guardrail. It's like we're not talking, but, the, but it's like time to go to bed. All right. Silence. You know, you go to bed. You got to laugh. You know what it's like. If you're married, you know what it's like. And so, you know, kind of get in and. And you don't, you don't touch. <laughs> you can feel the radiating heat from the other person. And it's like, and we go to bed. But you can't believe how many times that just saves us from, from chaos. It's, it's, a, it's a buffer. It just gives us margin. And, 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 and anyways, let's go back to the first one. So, <laughs> so, so number one, we will not develop close friendships with the opposite sex. And, 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 and that, for us, let me, let me kind of flesh that out. For us, that's what, this is what that means. We, we will not be in isolated places with somebody of the opposite sex. And, and that includes the internet. You might not, the inter, internet is a place. And so we've just decided, and we've created a, a, a guardrail that when I got married to Carla, we, we declared exclusiveness. It's like, this relationship's exclusive. I'm done. We don't have to look no more. Sacabo. That, that's it. She's the one for me, and I, will, and I will pursue her, and I don't need friendship with the opposite sex outside that. Now, I've got, we've got to have great people we love and families, and, and, and it's fantastic, but we don't pursue that, and we are very guarded with that guardrail and saying, we will be exclusive in our relationship and, and, and we just do. Yeah. And th this 
guardrail doesn't come from a place of jealousy because I'm jealous of who John might be talking to or who he might be chatting with or anything like that. This is not based on jealousy. This is based on trust. And trust is the foundation of marriage. And we're always looking to build more trust. You know, like we always say, we're looking to build more love in our marriage. We need to look to build trust in our marriage. And that's what this is based on. So we live as open books with each other. We, you know, our phone accounts, our internet account, even though you really don't know how to use Facebook accounts or any of that. But all of our things, everything is open to each other because we want to build trust amongst each other. And this helps me not only be able to trust John, but to also be a person that he can trust in. Trustworthiness. I want to be a person that's worthy of his trust. So I'm going to live open and honest and not in jealousy, but in trust. Right. And, and so you, would, you, you might ask the question, well, is developing a, a friendship with somebody of the opposite sex, is, is that a sin? Of course not. Of course not. And, and as single people, that's the way you get to know somebody. But when you decide, that's the person for me, it, it just turned exclusive. It is, it is now exclusive. And so we just set the guardrail. We don't develop a friendship with, with somebody from the opposite sex, and, and that includes being alone. Now, I'm some, I travel a lot, a lot, a lot. Just got back two weeks ago. I was in Paraguay. I was in Chile. I was in Guatemala, and, and, and that's kind of something I do uh, maybe twice a month, or excuse, yeah, uh, two weeks out of the month, I'm traveling. I travel. I fly in the Latin American cities, and I always have somebody picking me up. And so I do the best I can beforehand to give instruction or my assistant helps and, 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 and that people that come pick me up should be men or a couple or whatever and this and that because we have guardrails that we're, we don't push off on somebody else. There are guardrails, but there are guardrails. And, and there's been many times I'll fly into a Latin city and, and something happened, a, a couple was coming and, and, and the man has a business and emergency and, and, and a lady or a young lady shows up. I go through customs, go through security. I walk out and, and I see somebody with a sign, Juan Barican, or, or somebody that knows me and it's a lady. And, and there's nothing, is it wrong? No, but, but we've created a, a, a guardrail We've informed our conscience to the place to where when I, bells and whistles go off when I see, oh my God, I'm going to have to get into a car alone with a person of the opposite sex. And you may be sitting here thinking, you are extreme, you're crazy. Well, we, we just live, so what I do is, and, we've done, and I've done it several times, it's like, look, this is what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a taxi, and I'm going to follow you. And don't worry, I'll take care of my taxi, and we'll take care of that. And I'll follow you to where we're going. Because many times they're taking me to my hotel. And that just, it just is, for me, it just doesn't work. So I'll go, I'll take my own taxi, and I'll follow you, and, and everything's great. And I, and I feel so much more at peace. Because sometimes things happen, and they're out of your control. But if you've got guardrails, then, then, then you're not... You're not walking in the limit. You know, and things can happen and, and outside of your control. I remember about two years ago, I like to deer hunt, and, and I've got a little land in a deer hunting cabin up north. And matter of fact, it's real close to, to Dwayne and Jeannie's place. And, uh, two years ago, but I have three guys that, that I bought it with 
or had three guys that I bought it with at the time. And I remember a couple years ago, I was up at the, at the cabin. I was with my dad, and I was with a good friend of mine. Three of us were going up hunting, so we had dinner that night and watched TV or whatever we do, or played cards and, 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 and went to bed. And, uh, and, and two of us were on one side of the cabin, and another, another uh, friend was on the other side of the cabin. <laughs> At about 5.30 in the morning, of course, I'm the youngest one of the group, so I'm up the earliest. And I wake up, and I just come walking out in the kitchen, my underwear, just us, us guys. And, uh, and I looked at I could see the light kind of glowing into the living room, and I see bodies on the couches. There's two couches. I saw bodies on them. What the world? And I looked, and they were, and they were girls. Two 20-year-old girls. And I was like, first I looked and I was squinting. I was thinking, it can't be. I was, then I pinched, I, is this a dream? It wasn't a dream. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say, because, because this is being taped, I won't say what I, what I thought I was saying. <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear the voice. It's like, hi, are you John? I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, hi, we're so-and-so and so-and-so. It's 5.30 in the morning, but all of a sudden, I am super uncomfortable. Super. It had nothing to do with that. I was in my underwear. I was uncomfortable. I was like, what in the world are two girls doing on my couches? So they said, oh, our dad said, or, or, no, our uncle said we could come up and, and stay here. We're going to visit our grandpa. The grandpa's lived right there. Our grandpa's going to, uh, we're going to visit him tomorrow. And, and I was just, so I, I opened the door to where my dad was, was staying. I said, hey, dad, I call him Big Daddy. I said, hey, Big Daddy, um, don't come out here. There's girls out here. He's like, yeah, right. <laughs> I said, I said, look at me, dad. I'm serious. There's girls out here. <laughs> I can't repeat what he said, but... Uh, He's like, what the heck? <laughs> I say, yeah. So I'm like, I'm like throwing my camels on. I'm like, I got to get out of here. What, was there anything wrong? No. Did, did we do anything wrong? No, but I was up again. I was like walking on top of the guardrail. It's like, I got to get out of here. And I got to thinking, what if Dwayne and Jeannie stopped by? Because those jokers wake up about 2 in the morning. <laughs> And they're doing acrobats at about 2 in the morning, and they eat breakfast. Lunchtime's about 6 a.m., and they stop by my place. I'm like, get out of here. I got to go. So I'm like running out to my tree to get away from there. It's like, yeah, it's just, it, man, I was having a, a massive, massive accident with, with, with my conscience because We've, we've created guardrails, and it's just part of our guardrails, and, and that was it. I called up a partner and said, okay, one of two things. I'm either taking you out or you're taking me out, one or the other, but this is it. I'm done. And, and we got that over real fast. Why? Because we just have guardrails. Be, because this is the cliff. You say, well, why is so extreme? Because the cliff would be that, that somehow, some way, you just, you, you just kind of, there's no guardrails, and all of a sudden, you're developing some type of romantic relationship or emotional relationship with somebody that's not your spouse. And it happens every day. And I declared exclusiveness to one person, and that's it. And she has to me. So we just, so that's the way we do it. That's Guard the way we roll. Number two. Guardrail two. We will not have a children-focused family. 
We will have a marriage focus. Yes, sir. <laughs> if you've ever seen a family that was focused around the children, it is at the minimal, it's chaos. At the far end, it's total disaster. And there's hundreds and thousands of people that are divorced today because, well, the kids, the kids showed up. You know, it's like they walk down the aisle, but they're not a family yet. You're not a family until you have kids. That is not true. But they think that way. Then the kids come, and it's like, oh, now we're a family, and the focus is all on the children. That is wrong, wrong, wrong. Even though society today will push us towards that, that is wrong. So we set up a guardrail, and our guardrail was we will have a marriage-centered marriage, not a children-centered marriage. It's, it's just the way it is. And, and are the children a welcome, uh, a welcome addition? Of course. We love our children. They come in. The, the children... Our children are born with a purpose. They are not our purpose. I'll say it again. Children come, they're born with a purpose. They're not our purpose. And so they come, and you love them, and you show them the way, and you model great stuff, and then you say, adios. <laughs> adios, and you love them when they come, and you love them when they go. You love that adios part. I love the adios part. I've loved the adios part. I remember my, my, my two oldest girls when they got married. Of course, the oldest one, Juliana, comes to me and said, Dad, um, of course, Juan Carlos had had the, the talk with me, and he said, me and Juan Carlos are going to get married, and we're thinking about our wedding. And, well, we know you're not going to want to marry us because you're going to be emotional about it. And as I said, what? <laughs> yes, I'm marrying you, and I promise you I will not cry. I will be happy. Matter of fact, I've got a few words to say in that. We're going to do vows together. I am going to vow, Juan Carlos is going to vow, and you're going to vow. And we're going to say, is that the way you say it in English, our vows? Yeah. Those both those? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was like, Juan Carlos, this is, this is Juliana, do you, do you promise to take her forever and ever? <laughs> yes, I do. Juliana, do you promise to take him forever and ever? Yes, I do. Now it's my turn. I promise to give you to each other forever and ever. You will now pay for all her car accidents. You will now pay for everything. She is yours. Married, you're done. Off, live life. I did the same thing with Susie. And, and it's just a good thing. So because that's going to happen one day, don't have a children or a child-centered marriage. Have a great marriage. Have a wonderful family. The kids are part of the family. But they're going to leave one day. And you're going to be together again alone. We're not alone. We have a special situation. Matter of fact, the special situation in our, in our marriage is something that really, really challenged that guardrail when, when, when we first started having our children. And I, well, I'll let Carla tell you about Timmy. Tell about Timmy. <laughs> Uh, John and I have four kids, and some of you may know our story, but I see a lot of new faces here. You may not know a lot about us. We have four kids, ranging in age from 24 up to 30. She just turned 30 last week, and it's killing me, saying I have a 30-year-old child. You old. Uh, I'm old. Uh, but the, we have those four kids, and our third child, Timmy, he's 27 now, and 27 years ago... This month, actually, it was. A few days. In a few days, it'll be In a few it'll days, be exactly. it'll be 27 years that I uh, found Timmy in his crib one morning unconscious. 
and he was having seizures. So we rushed him to the hospital. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. He was in intensive care. They got him stabilized, but he was in intensive care for a week. And they came to us and said, you probably need to take him to the States because we don't know what's wrong with your son. So we flew up to Chicago with our whole family and doctors and oxygen tanks and IVs and got him up to a hospital in Chicago where he was in intensive care isolation for another week. And they finally figured out what was wrong with Timmy and he had suffered viral encephalitis, which meant that he had suffered severe brain damage. So for 10 days, we were in the hospital there in Chicago. And on the last day when they were going to give us our son and, and tell us to take him back home, the doctors and the psychologists all came in the room and sat down to talk with us. And they said, your life has changed now. You have a son who's severely impaired. Your son is blind. He'll never see. Your son will never talk. Your son will never walk. Your son will never recognize you as parents or as family. He will basically have a mentality of a six-month-old for the rest of his life. So you're going to need a lot of help because it's all going to be about this little boy now. But don't worry, we're going to be in your lives and we're going to provide all kinds of care for him and, and we're going to get him set up in schools and we're going to get everything planned out for you because because you know everything has to revolve around this child now. Your kids are gonna suffer psychologically, but don't worry, we're gonna come in with lots of help. And your marriage is gonna suffer because, what's the percentage? Yeah, they told of? us there's a 93% divorce rate in families that had a, a, a severely, multiply mentally impaired child. Yeah, so your marriage is gonna suffer, your family is gonna suffer, and but don't worry, we're going to be with you through the whole process, but your life will never be the same again. They hand us our child, send us on our way. We come up here to Michigan, and somebody loaned us an apartment where we could spend some time, and Timmy could be in recuperation and more doctor visits and figure out what the rest of his life is going to look like. And I can remember the social worker coming over to the apartment one day and sitting down and talking with me and saying, Carla... You know, you can never go back to Mexico now. And, and your son is going to require full-time care. And you're going to need doctors, and you're going to need therapists, and you're going to need specialists for this, and, and you're going to need help with your family. And don't worry, we've got the psychologists ready to work with everybody. And, and don't worry, we're going to be in your life the whole way. But you're not going to be able to go back to Mexico. This child is going to need 100% attention of your family. Well, you see, there was a problem there with that because John and I already had our guardrail set up saying this marriage is not going to revolve around our children. Not one handicapped child, not two other fully capacitated children, and another Three. one that was going to come on later. Oh, I thought maybe <laughs> you forgot. Time. We have four. <laughs> yeah, no. But the other one didn't come till later. <laughs> we said, we had set up this guardrail that said our life is not going to revolve around these children. And we're not going to base everything. We're basing our marriage and our lives around God's plan for this family. And God's plan for this family and a call on our life was to go to Latin America and serve him in Latin America. So when we butted up against that guardrail, 
we knew what the decision was that had to be made. We're not staying here. We're not going to have Timmy involved in the schools and involved with the psychiatrists and involved with the social workers and involved with all the doctors like that. Timmy is going to be a part of our family, and this family is going back to Latin America, and this family is going to fulfill the call of God on our lives. So 27 years ago, we packed up our suitcases and our little handicapped boy and our other two girls, and we moved back to Mexico. And we've been there ever since. You ask me now, Carla, do you think you made the right decision? Did you and John do the right thing? I'll tell you a hundred times over, we made the right decision. We did the right thing. And every Sunday that I sit in our church and I look around in the three services we have and I look at the people sitting behind me and I see entire families whose lives are changed. Because 27 years ago, we made a decision to go back to Latin America and to talk about Jesus to these families. And now their lives are changed. And I see millions of people that we've been able to train in leadership. And I see that we've been able to impact in every country of Latin America. Was that the right decision, taking Timmy and our whole family and moving back to Mexico? You bet. And I do it a million times over. Now, has it been the easiest decision? No. I'm not going to lie to you, it's not been the easiest. We still have a severely handicapped little boy that requires diaper changes four times a day, that we have to pick up and carry to the bathroom and give him a shower every morning, that we have to put in his wheelchair and bring him into the kitchen and feed him by hand three times a day. And it's still a little boy that has seizures, a little boy that's required surgeries, a little boy that's required a lot of our attention, but he is not the center of our universe. He is a part of our family unit, and together as a family, we're fulfilling the call of God in our lives. And you're going to say, I did now, what about your kids? Did your kids turn out all crazy? And Yep. Well, they put it. <laughs> kind of maybe just a little bit. But they're, they're all in different places, so they aren't going to hear this Timmy's message. Timmy's the only but one chilling up there. I know he looking is. good. But that's the real family. Our family all loves God. They all love Timmy. And they all serve Jesus and wherever, that, wherever they're at. So it was the right decision. And Jesus backed us up the whole way. So you might say, well, that's nice for you, Carla. You guys have this great call on your life to go to Mexico, you know, but, but, but we just live here. I'm just in Michigan. Well, I'm sorry, you don't get out of that whole call business either. <laughs> the same way that God has a call on our life to go to Latin America, God has a call on your life, your marriage, your family. If you don't know what it is, you better figure it out. But he's got a call on you to change this world. And you're going to have people coming at you like we had doctors and psychiatrists and social workers. And people are going to come and say, well, you need to be doing this with your kids. And you need to have your kids in this program. And you need to have your kids in this activity. And you need to live in this district. And you, you need to. And trying to tell you how you need to, to live your lives with your family. And, and so much today, society will... will We'll push you. See, society will always bait you to the edge 
and then, and then when you fall over, then they chastise you. So they'll tell you, you your world has to work, revolve around the kids. You, you know, you, they have to be in every sport. They have to be in every opportunity. They have to play the piano. They have to play a violin. They have to be able to fly. They have to, they, you, and so all of a sudden, and, and if you just go with it, you, you just, everything is about the kids, and all of a sudden you wake up one day, and they're grown, and they're gone, and you just, but it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's un, an unhealthy balance there. And, uh, and, and, and you'll just, you'll, you'll get off. You'll get off. Give your children all the opportunities you can. We, our, our, our children have great opportunities, but the, it's, it's, on a, it's on the road to doing what God has you doing and having a great life. And, but it doesn't resist, resist the temptation to listen to society because they will get you off. They will get they you will off. I, I, you didn't finish. I just interrupted, so. You want to finish it? No, I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's we'll do two more just, real quick, and then we'll, we'll finish oh, up. Oh, I just want to say, it's worth it. It's worth it to make the right decision. And it is so rewarding to do the right thing. Number three, we will spend scheduled time together alone. That means us. We're talking about, mm-hmm. like, romance. Mm-hmm. Scheduled time. If I don't put it on my calendar, it's not going to happen. So we just schedule everything. We've lived for a long time. Our life is a little different now because we're, we're kind of empty nesters. Everybody's gone except for Timmy and then somebody that helps us with Timmy. So they're kind of in our house and, and uh, so they're there. So we're, we're half empty nesters. But we have always dated. We dated since the time we got married, before we got married, and then since we got married. Um, our Monday date was always our date to sit down, look at the calendar, what's your week look like, whatever, this and that, and talk about the kids. And then, and then our weekend dates were, were, were our romantic dates and our falling in love dates. And we, because we're never home alone, there's always somebody in our house. Since, since Timmy had got sick, we always, we always got away. About every three months, we would get away to someplace, even if it's in the same city. And, 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 and at years and years ago, we didn't have any money, and I was, I was super tight. And I remember we'd, because we'd, we had to, and it was on the calendar. It was like, all right, we're, we're, we're going away. And whoever invented the, the plan that you can only have one honeymoon uh, a lifetime is crazy out of your mind. So we'd have a honeymoon about every, every three months. And we'd go to, sometimes we'd go to a hotel two miles from our house. And I remember, I'd look, I'd be, we'd be in a fifth, sixth, tenth, fourth. If they put us high enough, I could see my house. <laughs> and I would look out the window and I would think, what am I doing here? I'm paying somebody to sleep in a bed I don't even like, pillows I don't even like, and my bed is over there. But it was worth it. We'd scrimp and save and we'd go out, but it was, it was our time and it just, it built into our relationship what, what, what we needed. And it was money well spent. I, yeah. I, I, well, I'd say that. Johnny mentioned that he was just doing this trip. There. He was in Paraguay and Chile and Guatemala. I was back at home and so we made this plan since he was going to be gone for a while. We made this plan that he, be, he had a weekend free in Guatemala. He said, just come fly to Guatemala, join me, we'll do a weekend together. And I thought, oh yeah, that'll be great. I mean, we have a great marriage. We're madly in love. We work together. We're always running together. I feel like we're just always we, side by we side. We do not run together. You do not run. I don't run. Okay, I move at a little slower pace. We walk together. Yeah. I, I just hang on for the ride. But we're really together I meant, and I'm I meant, like. I meant that like run, like oh. shorts and tennis shoes. Oh yeah, no, I don't run. I don't do exercises, sorry. But. 
So I think we're close and we're fine. And this is just going to be a great weekend. It was a fantastic <laughs> weekend. And I fell even more deeply in love with my husband. I didn't even realize that we needed that weekend connect time again. So you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, no, we got a great marriage and we're fine and we really don't need that. Yeah, yeah you do. I didn't know I needed it. You don't know what you need. You don't know what you don't know of what you need. You need it. And it's, it, it's a great thing to do. And it's a great way to put that cement in the marriage and keep, it, keep you together. Yeah, keep dating. Yeah. Um, the last thing was just because we've, I, I've talked a little bit derogatory about the kids. I love our kids and this and that. So we'll put a good one up there for the kids. But do, we, do, did. Uh, we did the good one. Oh, we did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll okay. schedule non-negotiable time for our family together also. We've done that since, since our kids were little and now, they're, now they're, they're big. But enjoy the time. Be, be present at the right time. Be present. I, I, we've always had family day. Every Wednesday, since our kids were just babies, every Wednesday, it's family day. That's it, non-negotiable. We go off and we go to parks and play hide and seek and this and that. And I'm talking about when they're little and as they grow, you know, we just do other stuff. But we do our family vacations, our, our dates. I dated my girls since they were three up until they got married. And then that's why I could stand there and say, I do, I do, and I do. Done. <laughs> why? Because I was glad. I was it's like I had my time. But so many people, they, they, they don't have a guardrail, and so they're always, they're right on the cliff, and the time leaving, the time, and the time, and all of a sudden, Dad, I'm, uh, we want to get married. It's like, no, come back to me. And there's all this stress and pressure. The parents are against it because most of the time it's because you didn't do the right thing when you should have. Enjoy it. Have fun. Have time, non-negotiable. We will be a family and we'll have fun. And then when it's time for them to go, you say, what's the word you, le- you learned today? You say, adios. <laughs> and you can have a great time. So anyways, these are four of our guardrails. I gave them all to you. Um, our desire isn't to impose our guardrails on you by no means. There are guardrails. But our desire is to to help everybody understand. We need guardrails. We need guardrails. We, we need to be in the safe zone and, and, and to set up a guardrail and say, when my conduct, conduct bumps up against that, my conscience will tell me so that we're not off-roading with our lives and our marriage and in a couple weeks from now I'll be here and talk about our morality. Guardrails. So I want you to go thinking about this. Okay. What are guardrails I need to put? If you're with your, your, your spouse today, go home and talk about it. Hey, what are some of the guardrails we have? Do we have guardrails? And uh, God will use that. We pray with them. I'm going to pray, and then I'd like to lead all of us in a prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you, Father, for being with us and letting us enjoy this time together. And I ask that, that you would just take and spark just anything Carla and I shared today in people's hearts, and, and, and you would just draw them towards you towards their spouses, if they're single, towards a, a healthy uh, lifestyle that one day would be part of a, of a life that's joined with somebody else. And so we just thank you for that, Lord. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if, if you'd just do this with me, I'm going to say a prayer. And, and I want to do this, and I, I would like us all to pray together, because there may be somebody here. Maybe somebody invited you here for the first time in years you're in a church. It could be the first time that you've ever been in a church 
and you're here listening, and, and, but, but, but your heart, what you're thinking in your mind is, but I don't even know God. You're talking about God's principles, but I don't even know him. And John, I'd like to, I'd like to know him. I'd like to open up the, the door of my heart to, to the God of this universe, and I'd love to know him in a personal way. Or maybe you're here today and, and, and you don't. You, you really aren't walking with God. You, you used to, but you're not. I want to say a prayer, and it's just a prayer we're going to all say together that you're just opening, opening up your heart again or opening your heart, the door to your heart for the first time to say, God, I want to know you. I want to take a step towards you, and I ask you to come into my life. So I'm going to say a prayer, and, and let's just all repeat it together out loud and help anybody that's saying this for the first time to go ahead and just believe it and to say it. Would you say with me, Father? I thank you today for who you are. I want to know you. I ask you to come into my life and that I could begin a relationship with you. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And from today on, I want to talk to you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want you to be my heavenly father, and I thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.